Father, we stand before you as a people in desperate need of your spirit. As a people in desperate need of your grace. As a a people in desperate need of your voice. I pray, Father God, that your voice would draw us closer to you. That your voice would captivate us. That your voice would silence our fears. That your voice will communicate over the marketing of this world. That your voice, Father, will prick our hearts. That your voice, Father, will guide our feet. That your voice, Father, will help us to set our eyes. That your voice, Father, will purify us from our sins and our, our lust and our desires that are not your will. That your voice, Father God, Father, we beg you for forgiveness. For valuing silly things. Small things. For trading your glory in for for the glory of entertainment. And I pray, Father, that you will be so gracious to speak to us in spite and despite of our own depravity. In Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 18 through 30. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. Paul here writing the church at Rome. Praise God for all that he is doing in our hearts and in our lives for these wonderful ministers behind me, this wonderful choir, these awesome deacons and wonderful ushers, and all of you who make up the body of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 30. Today we are concluding our series from death to glory. So we have looked at how God saves us, how salvation is the work of God. It's the work of God. How he calls us, how he elects us, how he regenerates us, and how he converts us how he sanctifies us, how he adopted us, how he's done all these great things. And today we're going to conclude with Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 30. And Paul writes these words, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, worth comparing, excuse me, with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits and with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. 
And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Today I want to tag this text from Death to Glory Part 9, Our Glorious Future. Our Glorious Future. Before you take your seat, I just want you to look at a neighbor and encourage your neighbor and say, neighbor, you have a glorious future. Look at somebody else and say, neighbor, if you are in Christ, your future looks bright. Amen. You have a glorious future. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. Speak, Lord. Here at Forest, we have eight seniors who have notified the office that this year they are graduating from high school. Amen. And I am proud of them all. A wonderful accomplishment to be able to matriculate through high school and graduate not just with a degree, but with the education. Amen. But you know, I remember the morning of my graduation just as if it was yesterday. I remember waking up early around 6 a.m. and going outside to get in my car, to take my car to the car wash. Because that day I wanted my car to feel as good as I was. And after waking up and washing my car and shining it and buffing it, I remember opening and cracking open a, a CD to put in the, to, to put in the uh, tape deck or, or the CD deck. And, and I remember just being excited, had new music, had a clean car. I called my friend, said, hey, I'm on my way to pick you up so that we can go to graduation rehearsal. For the graduation was later on that evening. And I never forget, I pulled up to a red light and I made a right turn on red because it was legal. <laughs> and I remember that as I was making that right on red, that a van who was in the lane next to me made an illegal turn and made a right also. 
And the van came directly into my door and put a scratch and a dent in it. I remember pulling over to the side and being upset and being furious. But as I sat in the car, I remember thinking that this is not going to mess up my day. I remember anticipating graduation and saying, you know what, this is not going to mess up my day. And as I got out the car and started talking to this person, I, I remember being having a calm over me because I anticipated graduation. And the anticipation of graduation overshadowed the present circumstance, the present suffering that I was experiencing. I knew that later on that evening, that no matter how bad this wreck was, if I was safe and they were okay, that later on that evening, I was going to have a good time. I knew that my friends were going to be in good spirits, that my family was going to be present, and that I was going to receive that diploma, not just with an education, but with a degree. Paul here in Romans chapter 8, verse 18 he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, that they are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul here understood that anticipation of a future glory will keep him from dwelling on the sufferings that he was presently experiencing. Paul had a key that allowed him to go through his sufferings with joy, to go through his sufferings with happiness, to go through his sufferings with peace. He understood that anticipating graduation would help him in the present time and circumstances that he was experiencing. Now see, Paul isn't a Fortune 500 CEO that considers suffering, that considers that he's suffering if he pulls out his red Corvette and it begins to rain on it. For Paul, suffering wasn't some small situation that happened in the midst of the day. For Paul, suffering was persecution. He's saying that the, the, the persecution that I am experiencing, that it is not worth even comparing to the future glory that I will experience. That my current circumstance, in light of my future graduation, will make my current sufferings seem small. And Paul suffered. The Bible says that, that he suffered. It says that he went through some things. Remember, he was boasting to the church at Corinth, and he, he told them that, that he was in prison and that he was beat five times with 39 lashes each time. And that three times he was beaten with rods and that, that once he was stoned and that three times he was left shipwrecked and that he was left a night and day adrift in the sea, that he was beaten constantly, forsaken constantly, had false brothers make accusations against him falsely constantly. 
And the list goes on. It even got so bad that, that at one time, Paul had to be put in a basket and, and lowered from a window by other brothers to escape persecution. And Paul is saying here, let me tell you how I make it through my storms. Let me tell you how I make it through my moments of difficulty. Let me tell you how I go through suffering with joy and how I can write to you that you ought to have joy at all times. Let me tell you how I still have my right mind. Let me tell you how I'm able to write these letters to you even though I'm in prison. Let me tell you how I've made it through the storm and, and through the valley and, and through the darkness of death. Let me tell you how I'm still standing, still praising, still worshiping God. Let me share with you my testimony about how I made it over. And Paul says, listen, the way in which I make it through is that I anticipate a future glory I keep my mind set on a future glory that will be revealed what do you anticipate most about your future what is it right now that's on your mind that you're looking forward to? For some of us, rightfully so, it's, it's college. We can't wait till our first day of college orientation when we're finally outside of the bird's nest and get to, to spread our wings a little bit. Curfew is no longer in place. And for some of the parents, you're anticipating their first day of orientation where you get to spread your wings a little bit and don't have to worry about the curfew that you have set. What are you anticipating the most right now? For some of us, we are anticipating being married and starting a family in the future. And for others, maybe you're anticipating moving into a new home or beginning a new career. And for someone in here, you're just anticipating hearing a word from God. Something that's going to keep you in the midst of your suffering. But whatever you are anticipating, today I want to encourage you to anticipate something even more. Anticipate seeing the glory that is to one day be revealed. Anticipate. Seeing the glory that is one day to be revealed. What is this future glory that Paul is talking about here? What, what is it that he's looking forward to? We see here that he says that for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What is this glory that is going to be revealed to us, Paul? What is it that allows you to go through these beatings, to go through this rejection, to go through this heartache with joy and to be able to encourage other churches? What is it? Well, if it's future glory that is to be revealed ultimately is the resurrection of the body and the subsequent complete Christ likeness which is the believer's eternal hope this future glory ultimately is us being conformed to the image of Christ 
It's us being finally made to look like Christ and be like Christ and to be in the presence of God. He's looking forward to the day in which his body will be redeemed. See, our current bodies, our current vessels are fallen. When I say fallen, some, somebody here was simply say apart. Amen. Our, our current bodies are plagued by the nature of Adam. Our current bodies have a, a tendency to, to run towards pleasure more than it does towards God. Our current bodies have to deal with arthritis. And cancer. Our, our current body has to deal with different types of diseases and, and, and issues. But, but Paul is saying, I am looking forward to the day where we are no longer in this body, but where we are giving a, a body that will not perish or fade away. Oh, what a glorious future you have. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. This was Paul's motivation. Was that one day Christ would redeem his body. And that he will be made to look like Christ. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 20. The word of God says, Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul says, listen, I recognize that as a Christian that my citizenship is not here. That I am a sojourner here on this earth. Paul recognized that this was not home for him. That he was simply just passing through. He recognized that he was just pitching a tent, that this was not the place of permanent residence. He understood that this was his dorm room and not his mansion. He understood that God was calling him to a, a different location, to a heavenly location, and that now he was just simply waiting on his Savior. And the Bible says that he anticipated God transforming his lowly body his messed up body to the likeness of a glorious body. And as a result of this anticipation, as a result of him waiting, the Bible says that Paul was able to stand firm. In fact, I challenge you to read Paul's letters. And whenever you see him going through or talking about suffering, somewhere close he will always talk about the promise that is to come. Because Paul understood that if he set his mind and his eyes on his circumstance, if he set his mind and his eyes on things that are perishable, 
If his only hope is in his natural body now and it's in his, and it's in his lifetime, then, it, then he is mostly to be pitied. He understood that, that this body, that this lifetime, that the things that we experience here on earth, that they do not bring us hope. Feel so bad and so sorry for little Wayne. Somebody said, well, I don't know why you feel sorry, Pastor. He got more money than you. Well, I feel sorry for him because when he passes, his money will pass. And his hope would end. His hope cannot take him past the next 75 years of his life. The hope that we have in Christ, it goes beyond this lifetime. It goes beyond these momentary afflictions. It goes beyond these sufferings. This hope that we have in Christ is a hope that one day we will trade in these lowly bodies for a glorious body. Feel bad for Drake and all of them. I feel bad for little Nuke Nuke and my cousins and them that don't believe in Christ. I, I feel bad because they have no true hope. When their health vanishes, their hope vanishes. When their money dries up, their hope dries up. But we, <laughs> we have a hope. And that is in the redemption of our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 52, Paul says this, For this perishable nature must put on the imperishable. And this mortal nature must put on immorality. This perish, this perishable or, or mortal body that we have, it, it has to deal with sicknesses. It has to deal with diseases. It has to deal with sin. It has to deal with sleep. You know, some of y'all fighting off sleep right now. This, this body that we have is weak. But those who have put their hope and faith in Christ, one day will receive a glorious body. Man, if I was to call you one day while you were at work, work, and I was to say to you, if you come down to the church today and bring your vehicle that you're currently driving, I will allow you to trade it in. For the car of your dreams. Whatever the car of your dreams is, just let me know and I will give you a brand new, never driven before vehicle. After you hang up that phone, if you believe my words. No matter what happened to you, the rest of the day while you're at work, you would have joy. Because you're anticipating trading in something that's broke. Something that's weak. Something that has a lot of miles on it. Something that has some dinks. Something that you probably don't enjoy driving. You're anticipating trading that in for something that is new. Something that, that you desire. Something that will not be taken away. And I come to tell you today that with that same hope that you can imagine, we ought to have that hope in Christ. That Christ has told us that we will one day trade in the perishable for the imperishable. 
the broken for the fix. The messed up for the healthy. The, the sin for the purity. The, the confusion for the peace. There ain't nobody up in here. Amen. Heartache for joy. Are you anticipating this day? First John chapter 3 verse 2 says that when Christ appears, so shall we appear like him. That when Christ comes to redeem the world, when he comes to set up his messianic kingdom for his thousand year reign, that, that when Christ appears, when, when he makes the new heavens and the new earth, so shall we appear like him. Remember when Christ was resurrected, the disciples and his loved ones, they didn't even recognize him at first sight. Because he traded in that which was human, <laughs> that which was broken for a glorious body. He turned back the, the time and, and had a youthfulness about him. He had a, a different glow, a, a different shine to him. When Christ appears, so shall we appear just like him. We shall have a restored youthfulness. We shall have a restored health. We shall not be plagued by the fallenness of this world. Because that's why we all messed up now. We messed up because of what our four parents did, our forefather and our, 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 our original grandparents did, we're, we're messed up because of the lust of the eye, the pride of life, we're, we're messed up because Eve saw something that, that looked good to her and because Adam was henpecked, we're, we're messed up but one day there will be a divine reversal one day there will be a di divine Intervention where, where Christ will give us our, our glorious bodies, a body that is no longer able to sin, a, a mindset that is no longer envious, a, a state of eternal peace. Matthew chapter 13 verse 43 talks about how at the end times, how the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Now Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, let your light so shine. But later on in Matthew chapter 13, verse 43, Jesus tells them that we're going to naturally shine. Because we have traded in the perishable for the imperishable. May we remember this message. May we remember what Paul is saying to those who are in Rome when we grieve the loss of a loved one who died in Christ. When someone passes from this lifetime to glory and we know that they spent their life living it for Christ, yes, we are to grieve. Yes, we are to weep. Yes, we are to cry. The Bible says weep with those who weep. Yes, we are to, to mourn. But, but the, there's a difference between a Christian mourning the death of another Christian 
And a non-Christian mourning the death of a non-Christian or a Christian mourning the death of a non-Christian. When, when a Christian dies, we don't mourn because we don't have hope. We mourn simply because we're humans and, and we love this person and we're going to miss them. But, but when we mourn, we, we mourn realizing that one day we will see them again. You don't believe me? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul encouraging the church at Thessalonica, he said these words, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do without hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with this. Paul was dealing with the church of Thessalonica and he said, listen, when someone passes and when we're suffering from the loss of someone who is saved, we do not grieve without hope, but we know that when Christ appears, that, that we will be given a, a new resurrected body. When, that, when Christ appears in the, at the blowing of the trumpet, that we will be caught up in heaven with him. And, and Paul understood that, that death for a Christian was not something that was a bad thing. Death for a Christian was a graduation he says for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and when Paul is, Paul is talking to the church in Philippi he's, he's, he's caught in between a push and a pull you know have you ever, ever been caught between that he's, he's caught in between two pull people wrestling uh, he's like a man wrestling with two ideas he says I, I want to stay here with you here on earth but, but I understand that if I am here with you on earth then I am absent from the presence of God so I'm caught up I, I don't know whether I want to stay here with you or, or whether I want to be with my Lord I, I don't know if I want to minister and preach to you or if I want to see Moses Abraham, Isaiah, Elijah, Ezekiel, Nehemiah, Ezra, and all my homies. I, I'm caught in between. See, when you understand whose you are and whose hands you are in, you don't have to fear death. Because you understand that the one that you sing about every Sunday morning, the one that you pray to every day, the one that you wake up thinking about in the morning is the one whom your eyes will behold. Paul said, I'm caught. Situation. I don't know whether I want to be here or whether I want to be there. Because Paul understood that when a Christian dies, 
We don't just go into a state of sleep. The Bible says, no, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a, 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 a misnomer, bad theology. We're not sleep when a Christian dies. We go into the presence of the Lord as disembodied spirits awaiting the resurrection of the Lord where our bodies will meet with our spirit and we will be giving a, 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 a body like Christ was during the resurrection. Well, I know that they're in heaven sleep, right? They're not sleep. The Bible says that there are martyrs around the throne of God right now asking him a question, how long, oh God? How long until you avenge our blood? How, how long until you leave your throne and go and redeem mankind? How long until we get to worship with the people from every nation, every tribe, and, and every tongue? How, how, how long, oh God, before we move into this, this mansion that you have prepared for us? How long? If we anticipate the future glory, we will suffer with joy because we understand that the present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. But we are not the only ones anticipating. We are not the only ones waiting Look at verse 23. In fact, let's raise up to verse 19. For creation waits in its eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to the corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children. Of God. The Bible says that we are not the only ones that are longing. Here in, in Greek, the word that is used for longing is used seven other, other times in the New Testament. And every time it is used, it is used in conjunction with the coming of the Lord. So here Paul is letting us know that we as human beings, we're not the only ones that's excited about what God is going to do. That all of creation is longing. Everything that God has created is waiting until he reveals those who are his. See, creation was affected by the fall of Adam as much as we are. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 18, we see that when Adam and Eve and the serpent receives their curse, that God also cursed the ground. And Paul here says that creation is longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is longing for the day in which God will redeem the world, the mankind. In verse 22, he says that this groaning that they are doing is, is, is compared to the pains that a woman feels in childbirth. And, and I'm so glad to be a man today. Amen. I'm glad to be a man every day. Because I get to ask people, how does giving birth feel, women? Amen. God bless you. I love you. Amen. I pray for you. I support you. Amen. Uh, but the Bible says that creation 
is longing for this re revelation. And right now, creation is in, in child, it's, it's, it's in child labor. It's, it's laboring. It's having pains. It's, it's like it's giving birth because it, creation itself is hurting. The earth is quaking. The, the earth is moving. See, tsunamis are happening. T tornadoes are happening. And it's, it's killing human beings. And, and it's not the way it was supposed to be. But when sin came into the world, humans was affected. The world was affected. And now we both long. We all long. The animals are longing for the day. God didn't create the animals to fight each other. He didn't create them to, to, to eat each other. He created them to be in harmony. But sin is something else. Sin will kill you. Sin will bring sickness, sadness, sorrow, and separation. Sin is something that is destructive. And, and for those of us who just flirt with sin and who, who love our sin, be, be careful because, because a little sin can, can do a lot of damage. And that's what the Bible teaches us, that, that a little sin, one sin, separated man from God because God is a, a holy God. And now all of God's creation is longing and, and hurting and, and crying and, and weeping and wanting freedom and redemption. One day, creation will be freed from its groan. One day it will be freed from his pain. The Bible says in Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, John's vision, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God. The earth wants Christ to return. Creation wants Christ to return. Because it is longing for the revealing of those who are in Christ. The earth is longing to be a, a new heavens and a new earth. It's, it's longing for Christ to come and to set up his rule here on earth, to, to, to have this earth renovated and renewed. But the question is, are we? Are we living our lives with this hope? Are we living our lives fixed on this great day of glory? Is our minds made up that more than anything in this world, that we want to experience the glory and the presence of God forever. If our mind is not made up, if our mind is not anticipating the return of Christ, if, if we see this lifetime as the place in which we will have all of our dreams fulfilled and the place in which we will receive uh, happiness and, and, be, uh, and have the most joy, if we see that this time is it for us, then we will live like it. We will find ourselves always complaining, always unsatisfied, always talking negative to God. God, you are out of just don't understand. I, I come to Sunday school once a month. Why you can't hook a sister up? If we find ourselves thinking in terms of the present and never in terms of the future glory, when we suffer 
we're going to sound like a newborn baby. Why, why, why? Hebrews chapter 11 says that those, those who are in the, the hall of faith, those who are in the hall of faith, those who have set their sights on, on, on pleasing God like, like Abraham and the, the great judges that, that they did it, anticipating a better country, anticipating a future dwelling that is not made by human hands but by God's hands. The reason that they were able to go through their times of suffering, the reason that Daniel was able to go through what he went through and the three Hebrew boys and, and Abraham and all these great men and Samson is because they did not believe that this was it. If we believe that this is it, we will live as if this is it. If we believe that there is more to life after we die, then we will live as if there is more to life after we die. Quickly, look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24, for in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. And, and Paul is saying not only is creation groaning, but we are groaning because we are waiting the final, uh, we are waiting for the time where we finally will receive the, the full adoption of sons. Yes, we are God's sons. Yes, we have been adopted, but, but it's not yet and yet already. You know what I mean? You know, we are waiting until the adoption papers is finally stamped and, and we don't have to worry about our, our foster parents right now or the people we're with in this world. We, we are waiting for the day in which Christ will come and then Paul says that, that we have hope but hope is not a hope in that which is seen. If we see something we can't say we hope for it. If I see something or I have something in my possession I can't hope for it. It's already mine but what we are talking about, what we are looking forward to is something that has been promise to us, something that has been declared by God and something that we are hoping for, we're longing for. Do you wake up in the morning longing for the day in which God will redeem mankind? Do you wake up in the morning ever thanking God that one day you know that his son will return? Are you anticipating the day in which that happens? Verse 25 says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, we see that in first, verse 23, Paul says that the first fruits of the Spirit has been given to us. What Paul is saying is, is that, that we should have hope and we should know that God is going to do what he said he's going to do because he's already put down a down payment. We've already seen the first fruits of what God can do. And that first fruit is the fact that we have the Holy Spirit. 
He's saying that those who are in Christ, they know that they have been changed. They know that there's something different about them. They know that the moment that they came to see Christ as truly Lord and Savior, that something on the inside began to change and begin to move. They, they know that, that the Holy Spirit is a blessing and that it's not them that's keeping themselves, but it's something on the inside of them. Paul's saying that, saying that our hope should be solidified in the fact that we know what God can do. Do you know what God can do? Do you ever take time to look back on where God has brought you from? Do you ever take time to meditate on where you used to be? Now, I know you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody is perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. But sometimes we should just take a a look back just to see what God has done. We should take a look back and see that he's brought us from a mighty long way. We should take a look back. And some of us, we don't have to look back. All we have to do is look forward and look in the refrigerator. You know that your refrigerator didn't have water and and orange juice and just apple juice. You you know that in that refrigerator was some stuff that you don't want to tell your pastor, some Cavassier and some Alizé and some all kind of stuff that we name our children after nowadays. You, You know that God has done something for you because sometimes all you gotta do is think about your taste buds. Think about what he's done for you. Think about where you would have been on Saturday night. Think about where you would have been on Friday night. Think about what you would have had stashed away somewhere. Think about how you would have talked to your wife and how you would have responded to your husband but you know that something has happened. And the thing that has happened is not because of you. It's because God put something on the inside of you which is his spirit. And his spirit is interceding for you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is inside of us and it's moaning and it's groaning. It's praying and it's interceding. Now Paul is not talking about the gift of tongues here. Now Paul is saying that there's something deep going on that you and I can't hear. See God, the Holy Spirit, is searching God the Father and is searching the mind of God the Father. And while you go through your storm, while you're going through your situation, when you don't know what to pray, that spirit is praying for you. And it's saying, now God, what are we doing with this person right now? Because I need to encourage them with some peace. God, what's going on in their lives right now? And he searches the mind of God and and God responds and, and that Holy Spirit gives us peace. That we can't understand. Walking around saying, I don't know how I got this peace, but, but somehow I've got this peace. Ten years ago, I would have lost my mind. I would have cussed somebody out. I would have cut somebody. I would have took off the air wings and, and put on the Vaseline. I, I would have said, Let, meet me in the parking lot ten years ago. But today I'm on my knees. Today I'm fasting. Today I'm praying. Today I'm in Sunday school. Today I'm in morning worship. Because the Spirit is helping us in our weakness. It didn't say in our time of weakness. It said in our weakness. Because if truth be told, we are always weak. Even when we think we are strong, if we're doing it in our own might, we know that we're really weak. But it's the Holy Spirit that's keeping you going. It's the Holy Spirit that's giving you joy. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that's making you smile. It's, it's not the makeup that's making you look good, baby. 
It's God that's making you look good. It's, it's God that people see. It's, it's God that people want to hear come from your voice. It's, it's God that allows you to have peace when you shouldn't be able to sleep. You're able to sleep in faith. It's God the one that's doing it. Then he concludes with these words. And he says these words. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. He said all things work together for the good. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among the brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Allow me to close now, dear children. When I come to today just to tell you these words, that in the midst of your suffering, you should anticipate a future glory. And Paul says these words in Romans chapter 28. For we know that all things are working together for your good. He didn't say some things. He didn't say good things. But the Bible says that all things. Now you remember the story of Joseph. And how Joseph had won the 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 favor of his father and you remember how joseph had some jealous brothers some brothers that did not appreciate his father giving him a coogee sweater and you remember how joseph then was thrown into a pit and how he was sold into slavery and you remember how joseph worked hard to earn some respect but after he earned that respect, you remember how he had a, a bogus rape charge against him and how Potiphar's wife brought up false accusations. That's just like the devil, isn't it? Always trying to start something. Gotta be starting something, Michael said. Always trying to get us off of our game and outside of the will of God. But the Bible says that Joseph, even though he was in prison, he found himself to be faithful to the Lord. And through a, a number of different circumstances, the brothers that had hated on him and the ones that had misused him, they now needed his favor. <laughs> Ain't that funny how God will work some stuff out? The ones who talk about you sometimes will end up needing you. <laughs> The ones who walk over you sometimes will end up needing your help. That's what David said. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Don't let what's going on at your job stop you from worshiping God. Don't let what's going on in your home discourage you from glorifying God. Because we've got to learn what Joseph had to learn. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm not going to kill you. Calm your nerves. For what the devil meant for evil, God meant it for the good. Now Joseph had to experience that. He had to experience that. And after experiencing that, he could speak it. But Paul did you and me a favor. He said, listen, I'm 
I'm going to tell you this truth. <laughs> Whether you realize it yet or not. <laughs> that everything that's happening to you. Is happening to make you look more like Christ. <laughs> that everything that the devil has meant for evil. God meant it for the good. That that person who walked off and left you hanging. Even though they thought they would break you. Oh, they made you look more like Christ. That an employer who let you go. When the economy was down. Even though they didn't think about it. God put thought into it. And he says this is going to work for their glory. I'm so glad that we serve a providential God. A sovereign God. A God who's just not making up stuff as he goes. I'm so glad that we serve a God who knows how to plan and who knows how to work things together for my good. And the Bible says that those whom he called, those whom he predestined, those whom he saved, he also justified, which means that he also made them to be right with Christ. And those whom he justified, one day he will glorify them. Those whom he made right, one day he will make them to look like his son. And if you read that, we see that the word glorified is in the past tense. Paul was saying that it's as good as already being done. Even though we don't feel like it sometimes, God is making us and preparing us for that future graduation. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes, I am. I'm ready for that place with no more crying. I'm ready for that place with no more dying. I'm ready for that place with no more lust. I'm ready for that place with no more envy. I'm ready to see Jesus. You know Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, my way out of no way. Jesus, my mediator. Jesus, my liaison. Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. I can't wait to see his nails. The star that was put in his palm. I can't wait to see where they put the nails in his feet. I can't wait to see my Lord. Because when I see him, I know that I've been glorified. That I can look at myself and say something has happened. Something has took place. I'm looking kind of young right now. I'm feeling kind of good right now. Arthritis is nowhere to be found. Cancer is no longer a threat. Brokenness is not an option. A headache, I don't need pills no more. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah.